What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Two Minute Drill presented by Deep Dive Sports. I'm your host, Nick, and I'm joined by Dom and David, as always. Quarter one here, our recap time. Uh, we got some fun games to go over from college and professional. Well, maybe the last one might not be so fun if you're a Cowboys fan, but we'll get there. <laughs> uh, first, Oklahoma, Texas, Red River rivalry. Um, last year, Texas boat raced Oklahoma this year, Oklahoma beat them by four. Um, what's your guys' thoughts on this game? I'll go ahead and, uh, start with Dom. Yeah. So Oklahoma had a great game. Um, this was a very entertaining game overall. Um, yeah, I'm impressed with how Oklahoma played. I think they're a serious contender, um, in the big 12 Texas. I mean, they were looking good. I don't think the season's a complete loss for them. I still think that they can recover. But, yeah, maybe we were a little too high on Texas going into this game, and Oklahoma wanted some revenge from last year, and they got it. Yeah. I don't I don't know if we were too high on Texas. I just think that it really came yeah, down really to, came. to Quinn Ewers throwing two interceptions. I, th- I think if he doesn't throw those two interceptions and – Maybe they're able to get a couple field goals at least out of those drives, um, or not allow Oklahoma to be have better field position. Maybe the score is a little bit different, you know. So I think Quinn Ewers has to look internally and realize that he's got to be a little bit better in that situation. I'm not going to put the whole thing on him, but I think that that's definitely a, a big factor when you look at a guy who hasn't really turned the ball over this that much this year, and you have two turnovers in that game. Um, I think he had a fumble too, but. I think uh, I think that's a big factor in it. But David, what's your thoughts on this? Well, I think that definitely turnovers definitely affect the game. I don't think we, um, I don't think we weren't like too high uh, on Texas. I think the expectations that we had for Texas were definitely worthy for them. And I think that just Oklahoma wanted it more this time around. That's as simple as it is. For a game that's that tight, as you said, four points. That's just a matter of who wants it more. I don't know about that. This is one of the biggest rivalries in college football. I think they both want it equally. It's just I think it comes down to who was able to make the plays when it mattered most. I think it's a little bit of both. Obviously, like – your your will to win a game is super important, and again, I, I agree with you, Dom, on the, on the factor of who was able to execute better. And I think both of these teams are still really good teams. I think that this will be, you know, was it the Big Twelve um, championship game? I think it'll come down between these two teams. So, and maybe we get a rivalry. Maybe Texas wins, and we look at both these teams and say, like, hey, both of them get in the playoff. You know what I mean? But. It'll definitely be interesting. Like I said, I think both these teams are really good. They have a lot of quality talent. A four-point win isn't something that you look at and you're like, wow, Texas got embarrassed. Like, they both played really hard. So that's the only reason I said I think the only thing that might have pushed the needle either way were those two interceptions for me. But um, <laughs> the game that I had picked, the second college game that I had picked for our uh, game of the week to watch this past week was Georgia and Kentucky. I thought it would be a lot more competitive. I think Dom and David said that it wouldn't, 
but obviously Georgia won 51 to 13, proving that, you know, they are still top tier. What's your guys' thoughts on this game? I I know that you guys had kind of predicted this, but did it go was it a higher scoring game for Georgia than you thought, or was it right on par? I'll start with David. Um I think a little bit higher than expected, but not too far off that it wasn't like on par because at the end of the day, it's still, it's still Kentucky. I'm not saying that to be like dissing the team or not anything. They are still an upcoming team. That's part of the growth, I guess you could say of the program. Um, Because it's like, if you're in the top 25 of the country, you're, that's still no slouch, but you're going up against the king of the king. So it, I guess you could say it comes with the territory. Yeah. Dom. I mean, this, this game went exactly as me and David said that it would. I, we both knew it was going to be a blowout. I mean, maybe it was a little bit more of a blowout than we anticipated, but you know, it Kentucky is still a, a respectable team, but Georgia's just on a whole nother level. You know, it I give them credit for being at the top twenty-five, and that's an accomplishment in and in and on its own for a school like Kentucky that's a basketball school. But you got Georgia that's just riddled with NFL talent on both sides of the ball, guys that are gonna be going in the first round, you know, future all pros. Like it they're in a whole nother class. Of their of their own, and really, I don't think any team is really going to be competitive with them until, you know, I'm really ne- never this season. Honestly, <laughs> I don't think any team is really going to be competitive with them. I don't want to say any team, but no, I I don't know. I yeah, I thought it I thought it'd be come a little on now. No, I mean there are teams that look nice. Like I think that Michigan is looking like a very comparable team and we'll kind of get to that later but I I do think they're they have their weaknesses I mean we thought that they were you know unbeatable last year and if it weren't for a botched kick by the Ohio State kicker they wouldn't have won a national championship last year so I think that they're definitely beatable I like I said I thought this game would be a a little bit more competitive than what it was I I know Kentucky is what Kentucky is but it just I don't know. I thought they would put up more of a fight than what they did. So it's definitely interesting. Um, Let's go ahead and move into the NFL here. This game between the Bears and the Commanders went a little bit differently than I thought it would. I I was kind of hoping that Justin Fields would continue his success um, that he had the week prior, which he did. But I didn't think that they would just kind of route the Commanders the way they did. Um. I'll kind of get your guys' thoughts on it. Dom, what's your thoughts on this game? I think it's a good sign. I think it's a really good sign for the for the Bears team in general. Um, you know, Justin Fields, he's playing uh, for his job going into next year. Everyone's already assuming that uh, they're going to be drafting Caleb Williams if he comes out or Drake May, whoever is the best quarterback available. Um, you have a coach that's coaching for his job. And I think they got rid of – uh, nuisance, we'll say, in the locker room in Chase Claypool. And I don't think there's a coincidence that he's been gone the last couple games and they've looked significantly better. They were able to get a, a really impressive win here. I I think 
this, this Bears team, they had a horrible start to the season, but I think there's some potential with this team here. Yeah. I don't I don't know if you can really give Chase Claypool that much credit, but I, Well, no, but it definitely helps. I mean, yeah. If I, you're in a situation I, where, you know, you're losing a lot and there's already a lot of negativity in the building and then you you have this guy that's in the locker room that's adding to it and not helping like, the situation I, at all. I agree like morale-wise that's going to help out a little bit, but I think honestly it's just Justin Fields is settled in and he's comfortable you know what i mean i think i think we I mean, asked, i'm not saying that getting rid of chase cable is the only factor but it it definitely makes a difference i just i i don't think that it made i don't think it really had any factor in justin fields playing better i think morale wise locker room wise sure a little bit but which justin, affects how you play on the field justin fields is playing better because he has settled into this offense like i think they asked him to be a passer which is something that he wasn't the first couple of years, he mainly used his legs. And I think they wanted to see if he could develop into a passer. And they forced him to do that the first three, what, three weeks of the season. And it looked awful. And I think he watched enough tape, practiced enough, and got better enough to where, like, he really settled into this offense. And, and we're seeing his arm talent ability. You know what I mean? I think that they knew it was there. They just needed him to settle in and do it. So I think that's really what we're seeing right now is his just comfortability within that offense and his comfortability reading defenses and, and passing the ball at this point. And then hopefully after a couple more games, we see them put together his running ability and his passing ability. And, you know, he can start to have that MVP season, quote unquote, that Dan Orlovsky said he was going to have. So I, I don't know. I mean, like I said, it's getting rid of Chase Claypool wasn't the only factor. Obviously, I know that, but... And improving the morale in the locker room definitely affects the guy's ability to play on the field and their mentality on the field. So, yeah, it's not the only factor, but it definitely helped. I know, but I just feel like you're kind of giving it too much credit him. Like, I don't understand why this is the one thing you want to die on is like he was such a bad cancer in the locker room, a guy who barely like played or had any effect on the team like that. They traded him away for a six-round draft pick. Like I know you don't like him, but his his bad <laughs> attitude it had no effect on how Justin Fields is playing. And Justin Fields is playing bad because the play calling wasn't his suit of style, and like the offensive weapons weren't all that great, and everything is starting to click because he just feels more comfortable within the offense. and And I think that's why. Like, yeah, obviously, getting a guy out of the locker room like that helps, but I just I don't know. I think you're giving it too much credit. But, David, what are your thoughts on this Bears-Commanders game? I think amazing work by Justin Fields. Um, I think morale definitely helps, like having good morale going into a game. But I don't think it, like Dom said, I don't think it's the only reason. I think definitely coaching uh, was a factor. Definitely um, maybe not having the greatest – uh, offensive weapons around him was definitely a factor. So there's a bunch of things that go into it. Um, but I, either way, he's definitely showing up to the field and proving that he was worth uh, drafting at the point that he got drafted and is worth at least a, at minimum another year or two contract right at the moment. Now, I'm not saying that 
things can't happen down the road and he will just fall a little bit flat and stuff like that. But at the moment right now, he's definitely earning himself at least another year. Off topic, but I, I know Justin Fields has been playing a, a lot better, and I, I think there's definite signs of of growth in his play. I still don't know if he's going to get a second contract with the Bears. If they're still in a position to to pick number one, I still think that they possibly go after the whoever the top quarterback is that's available, and then trade Justin Fields because but if he the stock on. But if, if he, he continues to play well, the stock on him is going to be high, so you can get a good return on him. But it just depends on what you want to do with that. I mean, like, I agree. I think in a, like, oh, we're playing Madden sense, like, yeah, if you have the first two picks in the draft and you have a quarterback who's playing at this, the le- if he continues to play this level throughout the season, sure, I think in Madden, yeah, of course, like, hey, yeah, let's trade him, get a bunch of picks out of it, and move on and, and kind of reset financially that's that's fine but if you know that you have a guy that can play at that level and you can get him to play at that level why would you trade him and draft a guy that you don't know if that can play at that level you know what i mean obviously caleb williams is a guy that we i believe that he could play at that level you know what i mean but like that doesn't mean that he's going to so i just think that if you know for sure hey this is like justin field's talent is outrageous he can play like a top you know, 10 quarterback in the league or whatever, he has that ability because of his legs and because of his arm. Like, why would you why would you trade that? Why not use those picks to put better talent around him? If you have the first two picks in the draft, take Marvin Harrison Jr. and, uh, you know, another really good player or trade one of those picks for some more assets. You know what I mean? I think that's where they're at. Like, pick a team. That- no, I, I get that. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that it's not guaranteed that he's going to get a second contract. No, but I think, no. if, like I said, if he continues to play the way that he's playing, there's no reason why he wouldn't. You know what I mean? Like we're we're speculating him not getting a. We're not, if if he if he doesn't get a second contract, that's because he's not playing the way that he's playing right now, and then they're going to draft a quarterback anyway. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it's a very big like, what if situation, obviously, but. If he plays this way the rest of the season, he's going to get another contract with them if he continues to play after this. If he doesn't, then yeah, I can see them trading him and resetting the, you know, resetting at the quarterback position. But you're not going to trade a guy who's that talented, who has that kind of ceiling that he has. Like, I mean, he has the running ability like Lamar Jackson does. And I think his ceiling for arm talent might even be better than Lamar Jackson. So if he can get there, but it just has to be developed. So. I don't know. Um, let's move on to Eagles Rams. The only Real thing I on top of that, he doesn't. He didn't have the coaching staff that Lamar Jackson has. No, his first couple of years. So you have to give him that benefit of the doubt. Yeah, because it's like the the topic that we were talking about last week. These guys are going to have crappy coaching for at least a year. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Not, these guys aren't always getting drafted into organizations that are stable. So, yeah. I mean, Lamar got lucky because he got last pick in the first round with the Ravens and he was able to get into a, you know, a steady organization and, and really kind of grow and develop. You know, I think mm-hmm. Justin Fields has really kind of had to deal with the, the rough end of what it's like to have poor organizational control and 
functionability functionability and I don't know. But I think I think he'll be with the Bears for a while. I think that if he continues to play this way, there's there's no doubt in my mind that he won't be their franchise quarterback. But it's just it's a big if if he continues to do it. So anyway, Eagles Rams guys, what's your thoughts on it? Uh, I was really impressed with how the Eagles played. Um, it was a little bit of a closer game, but I thought the Eagles defense played really well. Um, again, I'm really impressed with Jalen Hurts and this, this offense. I, if you try to slow down Devonta Smith, AJ Brown has a great game. If you try to slow down AJ Brown, Devonta Smith has a great game. Like you can't slow down either of them. And if this running back room is healthy, you know, DeAndre Swift is having probably the best year of his career. You still got Kenneth Gainwell and you got whoever else they have at the running back position that's still effective. Um, I'm just really impressed with, with how the Eagles handled this game because the last couple of weeks um, they've had a lot of close games, games that, you know, frankly, they were pretty lucky to have go their way. Um, I felt like they kind of been playing with fire for most part of the season so far. And, you know, for them to to really take a hold of this game uh, pretty early on and then just play lights out defense the second half, I think it's a good sign uh, for this team to come. And I think the Eagles and the 49ers are, you know, the two best teams in the NFC for sure, um, if not the entire NFL at this point. I'm going to, like, disagree with you a little here. Like, the Eagles have kind of disappointed me with how good their team's supposed to be. Like, I kind of... They're still five out. No, no, I'm not saying they're not winning it's just like you said they've won a lot of games that if some things went different ways like that they wouldn't be five and zero. and like I understand winning's winning and that's fine but what I'm saying is disappointing is like I thought hey like they're gonna have probably one of the best defenses in the league if not the best with the talent that they have on there and then offensively like this team should be scoring points like the 49ers and like the Dolphins do like there's no reason that they shouldn't be doing that as as much as I'm a little disappointed in the Eagles, though, I am very surprised in how the Rams season has gone. I feel like they played a lot better than what we thought they were going to play. Um, I think we all kind of thought this team was going to be complete dog water. Um, and they've pretty much been in almost every game that they've played. And their defense has played a lot better than I thought we thought it was going to play. Um, obviously, you got Puku came out of nowhere, but they got him and Cup now. So, I don't know. This game was one of those where I think the Rams are better than what they thought um, we thought they were going to be. And I just think the Eagles, like Dom said, they're playing with fire. Like they're going to have to start being a little bit more efficient on offense um, and scoring some more points. This is an explosive team. You have a top five quarterback. You have two top 10 wide receivers in the league when they're both hitting. Like there's no reason that those guys should not both have over a hundred yards receiving at the same time. Um, so I don't know. I just kind of figured this team would look a little bit more like the 49ers and Dolphins have offensively and kind of shut people down defensively too. And I feel like they've kind of just been going through the motions. I don't know if they're just waiting for the playoffs or not, but it just kind of felt it just felt weird to me. This game felt a little weird. So um Dom, did you have anything on the game? Um, I, I guess the only other thing that I would add is, yeah, they've maybe been a little underwhelming, but I think it is a good thing that they've been able to face some adversity early in the season and respond well and still finish the game. Um, so I think that's something that's going to help them later on. I mean, do you see 
a team like the 49ers that's just boat racing every team, you know, early part of the season, how are they going to handle adversity when it comes? Because it's going to come. Not every game is going to be a blowout like against the Cowboys. So, you know, you have a team that's in the Eagles that's already kind of faced adversity and handled it well. And I think that's a good sign for them going forward. I don't think the 49ers ever handle have to handle adversity this year. I think that is probably the best all-around team that you're going to see in the league. I think top-down. I think offensively, they're the best team. I think defensively, they're the best team. Like The only way they're going to face adversity is if Brock Purdy gets hurt again. And that's it. Like I don't think there's a team out there that you look at that you're like, yep, they can hang with them on both sides of the ball equally as of right now. You know what I mean? So I just don't, I don't think, I think even if they were to play the Eagles, I don't think with the way the Eagles have been playing, I don't even think the Eagles would be able to hang with them. I think, I don't think we'll see like, what we'll talk about with the Cowboys game. I don't think we'll see the 49ers do that to them, but I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't see very many weaknesses in this team. And a lot of that is due to Brock Purdy's getting paid so little that he still has roommates. So like, I think, yeah, helps. I think one of the biggest what ifs for me with this 49ers team is what if they didn't trade up and get Trey Lance? Like what could it, what could they have gotten with all those first round picks? Like how, just how, yeah. like the, the team is already unstoppable, mm-hmm. you know, we're as close to unstoppable as you could get. Like that'll what be, else could they? That'll be something fun. Maybe we'll look at, where they were supposed to pick for next episode and we'll figure out who got drafted there. I'm sure it's on Google somewhere, but yeah, um, I mean, it, anyways, it, I think that would be, it's interesting, but it'd be more interesting if the team collapsed and you know, they, they weren't that great. Um, and it, because of the trade lands trade, but they've, they've handled it really well. And you know, they're just a great team. Yeah. But anyway, um, Let's go ahead and move on to that 49ers Cowboys game. Unless you have something else. I was just going to say something real quick. Um, no matter how ugly the win is, a win is a win, no matter how ugly it is. So, no, I mean, I, like I said, I said that I agree. A win is a win, but you could still look at that and be like, that was a gross win. Like, I don't think that they've had a game this season that they won where I was like, they completely out dominated the other team they played. You know what I mean? Like, that's, to me, that's concerning with the level of talent that they have on that team. Like, they should be completely dominating almost everybody they play. They should be in the same category when we look at them as the 49ers, as the Dolphins, as, like, like I think those are probably the three teams that you look at and you're like, they have pretty, they should pretty much be dominating everybody all season. Like, all season. the other teams you look at, like the Bills, the Chiefs, the Bengals, they all have their all holes. They all have their... You know, things you look at, they're like, oh, wow, yeah, that that makes sense while they're not dominating games. But, like, these three teams, when you look at them on paper, you're like, these should be the three best teams that we watch. And the Eagles just really haven't lived up to it. They haven't really dominated people like they should be. So I don't know, like I said, if they're just coasting or I, – I don't know what it is, but it just doesn't feel like they're on that same level right now. So, I don't know. Cowboys 49ers. Cowboys got just blasted. Uh, Dom, what's your opinion on it? Fun to see it. You know how I uh, don't like the Cowboys. Um, I, fun to see it. I, I love to see it. 
Um, again, I, I think this team is overrated. I know there's injuries, but I've never really been high on Dak Prescott. Um, looks like there's some some tensions in the locker room now with how the season's kind of going. But even if this defense was fully healthy with uh, Trayvon Diggs and, and everybody else that's on that defense, I don't really see this game changing that much. You know, maybe they don't give up 52 points, but uh, they still get you know, pretty embarrassed on national television. All right. David, what's your opinion? I guess all I have to say is uh, Cowboys fans better rewind those old Super Bowl tapes because those are the only times you're probably ever going to be happy watching this team. But every year is supposed to be the Cowboys year, David. Supposedly. Doesn't mean it's actually not going to happen. No, Cowboys fans are stuck in the 90s, and they they refuse to accept the fact that their team is mediocre. And until Jerry Jones stops sticking his nose in, in the runnings of the team, then this team is never going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Here, here's here's why this team's not gonna win anything, and like, I think it's it's got to do with one one reason, because I do agree. I think this defense is really good. Obviously, the loss to Trevon Diggs sucks, but I still think the defense is good enough that if the offense isn't putting them on the field a lot, then they should be like rested enough and be able to game plan enough to go out there and, and at least stop some drives for offenses. Obviously the 49ers are completely different, like I said before, but I don't think if the offense was able to play better and there wasn't so many turnovers, I don't think the 49ers would have had so many bites at the apple that they did. But here's why the Cowboys are not being able to be as successful as they were it's because they got away from being a run first offense. Like you have to look at that team and look at Dak and Dak is not a guy that's going to be able to go out there and sling the ball and not turn the ball over. Like to me, he's almost like in that same category as like Josh Allen, when it comes to throwing the ball, like Josh Allen has immense arm talent. I think Dak Prescott has good arm talent, but those guys, when they throw the ball a lot, they just turn it over. Like, they're very much old-style quarterbacks, gunslinger quarterbacks, that when you ask them to do that, they're going to throw touchdowns, but they're also going to turn the ball over a lot. So you can't, you have to be able to have balance in that offense. And when you can't run the ball, you can't have balance. So you can't ask Dak to go out there and throw the ball a crap ton if you're not going to be able to be efficient running the ball. And the crazy thing is he only threw the ball 24 times this game, and three of them were interceptions. So I don't know. I don't know if they need to kind of tear it down and rebuild or if they go out there and try to get a more game-managing kind of quarterback. I, I, I don't know. Well, they, they should have never gave Dak the extension that they did. And, you know, I I think Jerry sees the writing on the wall that this isn't the guy, and I think there's a reason why they traded for Trey Lance as, as a developmental guy that they see some potential in. But – as long as Dak is the quarterback, they're not going to do anything. And they, they need Again, another running back behind Tony Pollard. They're they're asking him to do something that I just don't think he has the ability to do, and they're putting the offense all on him because they gave him the money. And, like, I, I don't know. I mean, I just – I think they, they need – if 
they either need a guy who's going to be an all-world passer or they need to just start running the ball better. And I don't think they can because I don't think they have the offensive line that they used to. So I don't know. I mean, I still think they're a good quality team. They'll still make the playoffs, but like when they have to play a team like the 49ers or maybe even the Eagles, I don't know how that game's going to go, but I don't know. It's just kind of crazy. Like, so. I mean, I don't really see it as that crazy. I mean, it happens every year. Every year, the Cowboys have some of the biggest hype around them going into the season. And every year, they finish around 500. Or even if they have a good regular season, they're out in the first round. Of the yeah, but every but every team has hype going. Like every fan base has hype going around their team. The Cowboys just have a big fan base, and they're more of a notable franchise than a lot of the other franchises in the league because of who they are. Like, I mean, it's yes, I mean, of course, they have a lot of hype around them, but I think it's it's warranted when you look at this roster. It's it's a very good roster. Like on paper, you look at it and you're like, it makes a lot of sense. Like. And before and the end of that, they're the, I guess you could say New York Yankees of the NFL. Now, depending on the rules, you could argue that they could probably buy out the season, theoretically speaking. But you know. know how the Yankees used to be able to buy World Series? Oh, just by players. Yeah. Well, yeah, salary. but there, there's a salary cap that kind yeah, of yeah, prohibits yeah. them from doing that. No, I just, I think. I think when you look at Dak before his injury, he was a lot more of an efficient quarterback, and that's what they needed. And then after the injury, he just hasn't been that efficient. And I don't know if it's because of the injury or because they're just asking him to be something that he's not because he's never really been like a gunslinger. He's always been a game manager, and they're asking him to be a gunslinger, and he's just turning the ball over so much. So they need to they need to go back to this run first offense and allow him to be a game manager. I mean that's that's what the Fortinners do with Brock Purdy. They don't ask Brock Purdy to go out there and you know be like, "Hey, fit this ball in this tight window." You know what I'm saying? Like there's a lot of design runs, a lot of open stuff that he's able to get get everything going. So I don't know. Any other thoughts on these games guys before we move on to quarter 2? All right, first up in the college football section here, we're going to go over Ohio State-Maryland. Just a quick recap on the stats here. Um, Tula, I think that's how you say his name, uh, he was 21 for 41, 196 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. He did have one rushing touchdown. Uh, None of their running backs had over 40 yards rushing, and none of their wide receivers had over 60 yards receiving. When you look at the Ohio State side, Kyle McCord was 19 for 29, 320 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, Chip Trainum had a rushing touchdown, but he was 20 carries for 61 yards. I think this offense had like 1.3 yards per carry for the running back game. So not or for running, so not great. Uh obviously. Routeman Marv had a freaking awesome game, eight catches, 163 yards, and one touchdown. And then you had Cade Stover with a touchdown. Um, and then Abuka and Fleming had a couple catches for like 40 yards as well, too. So this game definitely a little bit, I don't know, scary there going into halftime. I think it was 10-10. But then in the second half, Ohio State really turned it up. So, uh, David, I'll start with you. What's your uh, opinions on this game? Yeah, uh, definitely first half a little scary, um, but they definitely closed it out the way that they needed to. Um, I guess you could say that the score was 
where it need to be, I guess you could say to some degree. Um, especially considering it's Ohio State versus an unranked Maryland team. And I think that Maryland did what it could, and the Ohio State defense stepped up when it needed to. All right. Dom, what you got? Um, I like the way Ohio State responded after halftime. They made the adjustments that they needed to. And I, I think this is something that we see pretty often with Ohio State going up against um, unranked teams. They'll kind of save their energy for the second half. They'll it'll be close going to halftime. Everyone will be worried. And then they'll come out the second half and be the team that we know that they could be. Um, I, I'm really impressed with how this team has come out of the Notre Dame game. I think there's a lot of momentum that came from that win and they've kind of just carried it over into this game. And I'm feeling more optimistic about this Ohio State team than I was a couple weeks ago. Um, I think we're seeing some better play from Kyle McCord. Um, offensively, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best receiver in the country. Is Just protect him at all costs. We don't need him getting injured. Um, yeah, I mean, this defense – the defense has really been what's impressed me this year. You know, there there was um, a lot of hype around this defense coming into the season is, you know, potentially one of the best defenses in the country, and they've lived up to it. And I think that's really what's going to carry this team. If the offense can continue this play, you know, this defense is good enough to really shut down most offenses in the country. Uh, we'll see if they can keep up with Georgia or, or Michigan, but – yeah, I'm feeling good about this team, and I think they can keep it going. And and also, Maryland is a good team. They were undefeated coming into this game, too. So it's not like, you know, Maryland of a couple years ago that, you know, had uh, three, four wins on the year. But they're a good team, and yeah, I'm impressed with this win. Yeah, I agree. Maryland is definitely a lot better than I think what their ranking was. I think they're ranked 26 going into this game, so just outside the top 25. But I agree. Defensively. Super impressed, super happy with this team. I don't think we've seen a defensive Ohio, like Ohio State have a good defense in like three or four seasons now. So like seeing them being able to play really solid defense is is really um, promising going forward. The only thing I will say is like, I think Kyle McCord has played good and he's developed well. I think he still has a lot to go. And then I think my biggest worry for this team is like the offensive line just isn't able to get enough push and this run game has just struggled all season. And not that you need to have a great run game when you have Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Abuka, but I think that you need to do better than like 1.3 yards a carry. <laughs> so especially against the Maryland team that isn't really known for their defense, I, I think that you have to go back and reassess what that looks like and and you have to change things up because you're not going to be able to win games if you can't run the ball. Um like I said, you don't need to like run the ball 40 times, but I think that you at least need to be able to average 4 yards a carry. Um that way they're not pass rushing all the time and and Kyle McCord has more time to throw the ball and Ryan Marv can get um, more open and stuff like that. So that's my only worry with Ohio State. Dom? Yeah, I mean, the only thing that I would add, I'm not so concerned about the running game. I know they had a bad game this week, but, I mean, looking at their stats for the whole season, you got Trevion Henderson, you know, 44 carries, 295 yards. He's averaging 6.7 yards a carry. Um, 
the other running back, I can't pronounce his last name, but he's the guy that scored this last week. Yeah, that guy. He's still averaging 4.6 yards a carry. So I I think it was just a bad game. Um, I I think statistically speaking, you know, if you can get almost seven yards a carry from Trevion Henderson, you know, that's pretty damn good. Um, And I think that's going to be what we can expect from him going forward. I just think it was a bad week. I don't know if it was the offensive line or Maryland's rush defense was better than we all thought that it was, but I think going forward, I'm not too worried about him. Yeah. I know. We'll see. Obviously Henderson didn't play in this game, so that might've been a factor too, but it just, it was just very weird. I don't know. And, and it, and yes, I know stats wise, they've, they've had a pretty good yard per carriage average, but just watching the games, it just, feels like they could have more if that offensive line had a little bit better of a push up front. And obviously you're you're replacing three or at least two NFL starters, you know, if not three or four guys who could start in the NFL on the offensive side of the line. So I think that that does have a big factor in it, but I don't know. Um, real quick, guys, I don't think this was one that I had on our list, but Georgia Tech Miami this is a Miami team that was undefeated going to this game. I think they were top 15 in the league, I think, when we talked last. And they just laid an egg against Georgia Tech. You know, their quarterback threw three interceptions. They weren't really able to move the ball that much. Um, their defense didn't play awful, but it was just their offense couldn't do much. So, you know, what's your thought on on this team that was looking like, hey, maybe the U is back? A lot of these old teams that we've seen like Texas and Miami and USC have been having like a lot of success, Florida, Florida State. But we've seen some of these guys fall, and, and this was Miami's turn this week. So what's your kind of thought on on them falling to Georgia Tech, uh, David? Uh, definitely a great game out of Georgia Tech. They came through when they needed to. That's all that I really have much to say about. It's just a massive upset of Miami. Yeah, I agree. Dom? Um, I mean, it, it looks like Miami's defense just completely collapsed in the second half, especially that third quarter. Um, going into the halftime, it was 3 nothing, And then, you know, Miami's defense just collapses. They give up 14 points and then nine points um, in the third and fourth quarters. And, you know, their offense couldn't get anything going all game. And I, I you know, maybe it's cause for concern. Maybe it's just one bad week, but it's it's not really a team that has a lot of room for air considering, you know, where they are in the standings and the conference that they play in, you know, yeah, they're in the ACC, but it's not really as as strong of a conference as the SEC or the big 10. So if they're not, you know, a top team that's dominating their opponents, they're not really going to get the national recognition, national recognition and playoff consideration. So I don't know. I think this kind of, ruins their season they were already 17th or I, I forgot what their ranking was before the season or before this game but i don't know i, I don't think, think this team right can like recover. 16 or 17 or something like that but yeah you know it it sucks for them and I, I don't know how they recover this year yeah i mean they they just got to try to win games i i do i do want to like defend their defense a little bit i just think their quarterback throws three interceptions maybe those those points probably come off a of short yardage. You know what I mean? It's hard to stop guys when they're already on your side of the field. So if they're kicking field goals or scoring touchdowns off of those turnovers, like there's not really much you can do about that. 
So, like, yeah, obviously you'd hope they don't, you know, break, but when your offense kind of gives them the ball in, in your own territory, that kind of sucks. So, I don't know, good win for Georgia Tech, like David said. That's a that's a pretty big win for them. I think that's pretty notable, and that'll help them in, in recruiting. So, they're like, we beat Miami. <laughs> um, let's go to thoughts on Notre Dame versus Louisville. This is kind of going to be like a, a two- part question guys thoughts on the game and then you know thoughts on where Notre Dame as a program kind of goes from here Dom well here's uh my weekly um Notre Dame is overrated and sucks rant but again they've proved it to us this they were lucky last week to come away with the win against Duke you know this, this really should have been their third loss of the season and going into next week's game against USC I think they're going to get that third loss this is a team that was in the top 10 beginning of the season I think they're lucky to be in the top 25 now. You know, you got the oldest quarterback in college football in Sam Hartman, who he's good, but he's not, you know, uh, a top caliber quarterback. And, you know, there's really not much else on this team that warrants, you know, all the the attention that they've been getting. You know, Louisville, they're they're a good program. And, you know, I I think – you know they're they're a team to watch going forward this season. They're six and zero. You know they're in the top fifteen now, and I don't know. I just Notre Dame's just not good, and I, I understand that they have one of the more promising young head coaches in college football, but there's still a lot of work to be done with this team, and I don't think that they're in an, any better spot right now than they were a couple years ago, and I don't. I haven't looked at their recruiting class in a, in a little bit, but I don't know going forward what they're going to do. I mean, they're already relying on a transfer quarterback that is uh, a guy that already graduated and still playing college football. So I, th- I think that spoke to the depth that this team already had going into the season where they have to rely on someone to come in and kind of save the season. So I don't know what this team does going forward uh, this year and in the upcoming years, but I I don't know. I just I just don't see it with this program, and and until they join a major conference, I I don't think that they're going to be getting any better, because top talent's not going to go to a school like Notre Dame that's not going to be playing in any conference championship game. You know, they, they're so dependent on their regular season because they don't have a conference championship to play in. That you know, if if they slip up in the regular season, they're not they're not making the playoffs. Yeah, David, what's your thoughts? I think that, like Dom said, they're they're overrated. I think that now when we say that they're overrated, this is no discredit to like Louisville. Louisville did amazing. They came to play. They did their job, and they outplayed Notre Dame by a long shot. That's not what we're saying, or that's not what we're not trying to discredit them when we're saying that. Notre Dame is overrated. They're a weak team, stuff like that. Hopefully things can turn around for Notre Dame. I just don't know because they haven't been very successful since probably the early 2000s, maybe the 2010s at the latest. Yeah, I agree. I think I think Louisville's a lot better than what people are giving them credit for. Obviously, they haven't really played like immense talent, but... I do think that's a really good program. 
Um, they changed head coaches, and I just think that they've really brought in a new breath of fresh air there, and and hopefully that's a team that can kind of grow and 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 be back in the spotlight. You know, I don't think they've really been there since Lamar was there. So, and then when you talk about Notre Dame, like this is a tough loss. I think I saw this stat. It was like last year, um, Sam Hartman was on Wake Forest, and they were the number ten team in the country, and he he lost as well too. So two years in a row, he's been on the number team country and they've had, you know, a really bad loss like this. So Sam Hartman is what Sam Hartman is. He's obviously still a college quarterback because he probably wouldn't make it in the pros. He might be like a practice squad guy, but he clearly isn't, doesn't have that talent. Um, I, like I said, I will say it because I do believe in Marcus Freeman. I think that he's going to be able to build a pretty solid program there. I do agree. I think not being in a in a conference hurts them a little bit, but the TVs prop them up with enough money that they could they could have a program there if they want to. And and to be fair, like Notre Dame has usually always packed their schedule like with a lot of good teams that they play, a lot of good talent. So like they usually play USC, they usually play Ohio State, like they're playing good quality teams. So regardless of whether or not they have a good squad. Like I do think they usually have a good schedule. Like they put themselves in good positions. Like they have enough money coming from TV networks. So I don't think recruiting for them that way is going to be the problem. I just think them kind of having a new head coach who's very much unknown, like that's going to be where their deficiency is going to come until, you know, he starts being able to bring in guys and, and hopefully he can recruit good talent. But I, like I said, I believe in him. Um, as an ex Ohio State guy, like I just think that that he's gonna build a good program there, and and they're gonna be fine. Um, but it's just the second year, and it just kind of is what it is. And I don't know if Sam Hartman's really the guy they should have gone with, but maybe that was the best guy that they could have had. So I don't know. But three interceptions is not gonna get it done. <laughs> like that's a that's a tough loss. So, um, any final thoughts on these pat these uh, games that went over, guys? No, I mean, I guess the only thing that I would add about Notre Dame is I, I do think that while they do usually have a pretty good, a pretty tough schedule in the regular season, I think lack of play in the playoffs and and anything really in 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 terms of bowl games is is really affecting their recruiting because that's that's what these guys live for. All these top players, you know, they could have good regular seasons, but if they really stand out in a conference championship game or a playoff game or a, or a big bowl game, then that's only going to help their draft stock. And if they're deciding between a, a school like Ohio State or Alabama, where they know that they're going to be playing in a conference championship game, most likely, or definitely a playoff game, or a team like Notre Dame that doesn't really have that, you know, obviously, if you're going to try to help your draft stock, you're going to go to the school where you're going to be able to get the most national recognition and the most nationally televised games. The, and I agree. But I mean, with the 12 team playoff coming in, like if Notre Dame hadn't lost to Louisville and the only two teams they'd lost to this year was USC and Ohio state. Like you look at a 12 team playoff where Notre Dame probably gets in that, um, especially with a game that was competitive against Ohio state that was close. And if they, if they were to keep USC close, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's a conversation where they get into a 12-team payoff playoff that way. So, like, they will. Yeah, but that's a big if because they did lose to Louisville. No, no, I'm saying if they hadn't. You know what I mean? So, I think going forward. But 
recruiting wise, obviously, is so finicky because we don't know like what player, what people are going to decide because of the money factor of it, the oversaturation of talent on one roster. So there's not enough money to go around. You know what I mean? Like, I think we're going to see a, it, the landscape of college football is going to be a lot different over the next five years. And yeah, the, everything is going to affect recruiting for everybody. But I just think it's, I think really based on on who your coaching staff is and stuff like that. And we'll have to see. Like I said, we're second year under Marcus Freeman. He's kind of rebuilding that program how he wants it. And I think you have to give him another couple of years before you you write him off and, you know, say that they're not going to really turn into anything. So, but let's talk about a team that struggles on one side of the ball, but is probably the best on the other side of the ball in the country. And that is USC. Caleb Williams is clearly the best quarterback in the country right now. He's clearly on his way to his second Heisman. That offense is moving outrageously because of him, but they are also having to do it because their defense is allowing so many points every single game. So my question for you guys is, will the USC defense cause them to miss out on the playoff because they drop a game here? You know what I mean? Like, do you think their defense causes them to lose a game that could cause them to miss out on the playoff? David? Yes. Simply, yes. Because you go three overtimes and only win by two points to Arizona, a basketball team, an unranked Arizona team, like I said, is a basketball team, not a football program school. So the fact that they can put up 41 points against you and only lose to you by two and three overtimes is very worrisome about the defense. I agree, Dom. Um, yeah, and I mean, it already is. You you would think that a team with the Heisman front runner that has the best offense in the in the country would be ranked higher than 10, but there are so many concerns with this defense, you know, David mentioned the Arizona game, but let's also not forget about the Colorado game and really every other game this season. You know, looking at, you know, everything, all the games that they've played, the only really convincing wins that they've had were against Stanford in week three and then Nevada, who, I mean, outside of when they had Colin Kaepernick and when have they been competitive in football? You know, you look at Arizona State was maybe a little bit closer than people thought that it should have been. They almost blew the Colorado game. They were blowing out Colorado, then they almost blew it. And then uh, Arizona, I think they got lucky to beat Arizona. Um, so yeah, I looking at the rest of the schedule, I think they'll beat Notre Dame, but I don't, I don't know how they'll be able to beat Utah or Washington or Oregon later on in the season. So I'm I'm very concerned. And this was supposed to be something that they addressed in recruiting and in the transfer portal this offseason. This defense was supposed to be better, and it's not. And I think that's a major concern. And I don't know if that's coaching, um, if Lincoln Riley's just focused on the offense and doesn't really care about defense. But if he wants to reach the heights at USC that he aspires to, then he needs to figure out this defense because they're not going to go anywhere with it. Yeah, I agree. Washington, Oregon, Utah, those are going to be games that they could easily lose because their defense is unable to stop guys. You know, I think Utah is one that they might get away with just because they're they're without their starting quarterback. But 
like Washington and Oregon have really good offenses as well, too. And if USC's defense can't put up a fight against them, they're just going to drop points. And I think Oregon and Washington might even have, like, I don't know if Oregon's defense is much better than USC's, but it's at least a little better. Um, And Washington definitely has a pretty solid defense. So I think that you look at those games and you're like, those are, those could be two losses. And I don't know. It'll be interesting. Let us know what you guys think at home about USC. Like, does Caleb Williams win another Heisman and not make the playoff? You know what I mean? I think that's 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 a possibility that we see probably the best quarterback in college football make not make the playoff two years in a row because they just their defense can't stop anybody. And that's that's just really unfortunate. So uh to close out our college football section here in quarter two. I just wanted to get your guys' quick opinion on, you know, what your, who are your top 10 teams in the country right now? Um, the AP Top 25 poll has it as Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, FSU, Oklahoma, Penn State, Washington, Oregon, Texas, and USC. Uh, Dom, where are you at on this? Honestly, I don't really have any complaints about it. Um, these are the teams that I would probably put in the top 10. I, I know Texas had a loss to Oklahoma, but I still think that they're a top 10 team. I wouldn't punish them for, for losing to a good team like Oklahoma too much. Um, USC is a top 10 team solely based on their offense. Like we, we just talked about, um, you know, with, with Alabama having a loss, I, I still think USC is better than North Carolina, Ole Miss, um, I think Louisville, they skyrocketed up the rankings, but I don't think that they're a top 10 team. You know, I, we can probably nitpick over the order of the top 10, but I think that's just going to be nitpicking because I, I think that these are probably the clear top 10 teams of the country at this point. Okay. I I think there, there is a few people that can move spots and they might fall a little bit farther than what they are now, but. I'll give my opinion after David. David, what's your opinion on it? Yeah, I think it's pretty much accurate. Like Dom said, we could probably argue about who goes where to be exact, but that's for a different topic, different day, and uh, probably a whole other episode within itself. Um, The only one that I would argue would be USC. Um, But granted, I wouldn't know who to fill it in with if we did kick USC out um, because like we said before they're largely in there because of their offense their defense is so weak that if it wasn't for the offense they'd probably be out of the top 25 anyways yeah I, I don't think I don't think USC should be out of the top 10 I do think that USC should be above Texas at least I think Texas should be at 10 that's probably like a little nitpicky one, but I think the big one for me, even as an Ohio State fan, I think Ohio State should be down at like six or seven. I don't think they should be all the way at three. I don't think they've shown us anything that makes us believe that they're going to be able to beat Michigan and Penn State this year. And that's like really unfortunate because you would ex- you expect them to do those things and, and you would expect Ohio State not to lose to Michigan three years in a row. Um, but I just don't think they've done anything to prove that they're the third best team in the country. I think when you look at the way they've been playing, I think Oklahoma beats them. I think FSU beats them. 
You know what I mean? I think you can make an argument for Penn State. I think it could go either way. But when you look at Washington and Oregon, I think the way that they've played as well, too, I think they beat Ohio State. So you can make an argument that Ohio State could fall all the way to eight. You know what I mean? I think that 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 is really my big thing there. And and again, I'm a huge Ohio State fan. I, I think that, that if they continue to develop and they play at their peak, I think that they could compete with most of the teams in the country. But it's just them being at number three right now is – it's just something that I don't really get because I, like I said, I just don't think they've really proven to be the third best team in the country. I think that there, there are probably four or five other teams in that top ten that I would say could beat them in a head-to-head game that are below them. So, I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts on that? It's hard to really say that they haven't proven that they that they're the top three team in the country when. You know, they haven't really given you a reason not to rank them so high, and they do have a top 10 win. So have they been as dominant as we all want as Ohio State fans? Like, just because they're not winning 63-10 to 10 like they did over Western Kentucky every game doesn't mean that they're not the number three team in the country. I think we've seen, you know, improvement with Kyle McCord throughout the season. The defense has been solid all season. And – you know, it there there's a lot of adjustment that had to be made coming into the season with who they lost in the draft. And, you know, it maybe it's taken a little bit longer for them to figure out, but they're still undefeated. They have a top ten win. And, you know, they had a really convincing win this past week over a good team uh from Maryland. You know, we'll see how they play against Penn State in a couple weeks, but you know, I I is three a little higher for them? Maybe. You know, I think you can make the argument that Florida State or Oklahoma could could be over them, but they haven't also given you a excuse to say no that they're not a top three team either. Yeah, I mean, I think they're being given a little bit of credit because of the program and and how successful it has been. I mean, I don't think what they've missed one playoff since it started, maybe two. I think only one. So, I think they're being given that kind of treatment of like hey like you've always been good like you're probably still good until you lose you know what I mean so I don't know that's just kind of my opinion I I I don't know I'm just very worried about them as a team and and like I said I just look at that top 10 and I just think that there are probably four other teams that should be above them because I think they would win right now head to head so a good thing the playoff is not for you know another six or seven games so (laughs) um all right, let's go into quarter three, guys. Current topics in the NFL. First one right off the bat. Joe Burrow looks healthier, played really great this past week. You know, if he continues to look healthy like this, continues to play like this for the rest of the season, should we talk about this team in Super Bowl conversations again, or should we kind of give it a beat and see if they continue to do what they're doing? David? I think that I don't know about Super Bowl just yet. Considering the slow start that they had, I think that we can argue maybe playoffs if this continues. And if it and if it continues to grow and they do really, really well, even against like good competition, then yeah, you can definitely bring in Super Bowl. But as it sits right now with the slow start that they had then I think we just need to talk about playoffs for right now and then Super Bowl later in the season. 
Okay. All right. Dom, what's your thoughts? Um, yeah, I agree with David. The Super Bowl may be a little too high considering, you know, I'm, I've been really impressed with the Dolphins and I think the Chiefs are still, you know, as long as Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback, it's it's hard to argue against Patrick Mahomes. But looking at the teams that are above them, if Joe Burrow is back and this offense is back, you know, they're better than most of the teams that are ahead of them. I'm obviously going to put them over the Raiders, Jets, Titans, Texans, Chargers, uh, the Browns at this point, I'd put them over. I think they're better than the Ravens, the Colts, the Jaguars. Like, this is a, a team that should be and still could be a top four, top three team in the AFC. And in the playoffs, I mean, anything can happen. The The Dolphins look good right now, but, you know, who's to say it doesn't fall apart later in the season? You know, the, the Chiefs still have Patrick Mahomes, but outside of Travis Kelsey, you know, the, I think that offense has been looking vulnerable. So if the Bengals can figure things out and take the momentum from this game and keep it going forward, then I think, you know, playoffs are definitely in contention considering that the NFC nor- or AFC North is anyone's game. I, I don't think any team is out of this division. And, you know, I think you can make the argument for them being a top three team in the conference. Yeah. I mean, I know you guys said maybe not Super Bowl conversation, but if he's healthy and he plays like this and this offense plays like this every single week, I think the only question mark they really have is on the defensive side. So in my mind, if they play the way that they played this past weekend and he's healthy, I think that they always have to be in your Super Bowl conversation. Like I think there always has to be a mention of like, Hey, they could get there because of how good they are. So I don't know, but again, it it all just depends on how he feels health wise and, and how they play. So let us know at home what you guys think. I know there's probably some Bengals fans that listen to us, so let us know how you feel about Joe Burrow and how happy you are that he's played a little bit better because he's definitely healthy now. So, um, Second topic, Steelers, game-winning drive. Kenny Pickett audibles at the line. I think it was like a Randy Moss call. Um, deep down the sidelines to George Pickens, he runs into the end zone. That's a game-winning touchdown. They panned over to the box for the Steelers, and Matt Canada could look no happy. <laughs> That's not even a correct sentence. Matt Canada did not look happy at all. Um, I don't know if he just was like in his mind thinking about different scenarios or um, if he was mad because there was so much time still left on the clock or he was pissed because it wasn't the call that he called. You know what I mean? Like Whatever it may be, but what's your thoughts just on – I know it's a big like – Oh, it's just him, his facial expression. But what's your thoughts on that, guys? Like him just not really seeming excited for them basically getting the game-winning touchdown. Dom? I mean, probably a little concerning considering that as a coach, you would want your team to win and you should be excited when they make a big play, especially a game-winning touchdown. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like maybe he sees the writing on the wall. You got the fans chanting, you know, fire Matt Canada every time the offense takes the field. And when you see your quarterback become a better offensive coordinator than you are and audible at the line and have a, a game-winning touchdown, um, you know, maybe maybe he knows that, uh, you know, it's only a matter of time before he's gone. Okay. David? Yeah, I, I don't know a good reason why he wouldn't be happy. Um, I think that because the guy's not Bill Belichick where he looks like a grumpy old guy who hasn't gotten anything excited 
for himself at the senior citizen home. Um, and so I, it's so hard to explain. I just don't know. Yeah. It's very weird. I, I just think that a lot of people are saying, oh, he's just, you know, trying to think in his head and go over the game plan for the rest of the game or that he was upset because there was so much time left on it. But I, I don't know. I mean, you see him like get visibly upset when things go wrong. So he can't be happy. He can't be visibly happy for the team. Like, I don't know. And I'm sure like when they ask him the question or they ask one of the players or Mike Tomlin the question, they're like, this is a dumb question. You know what I mean? This is clearly like a us reading into the situation kind of question. But I know it's just very interesting. And I, I don't know. He's just a weird dude. And he's not a very good play caller. And <laughs> can he pick it audible out of the play that he called? And he said, hey, just run deep. <laughs> and he hit him deep. So I, I don't know. Um, just a Just a very... Very confusing thing. So next topic up here, this is definitely one of those that's like maybe a little bit of an overreaction. But if you guys didn't know, Joshua Dobbs has pretty much been a career backup the whole time. He spent a lot of time in Pittsburgh, um, bounced around a little bit. I think he was with the Browns last year for a little bit. Um, but this year he's 900, he has 980 yards passing, six touchdowns, two interceptions, Um the Cardinals are not looking as bad as we thought they were going to look. They still only have one win on the season, but they've been pretty competitive in most games that they've played. You know, they only lost to Washington by four. Um, They lost to the giants by like three. They beat the Cowboys. They obviously got kind of manhandled by the 49ers, but everybody pretty much gets manhandled by the 49ers. And, and I don't, they lost to the Bengals 34 to 20, but I think it was a better game than what the score says. So in terms of Josh Dobbs, though, is this a guy that we see maybe be the next Geno Smith? Like he's not going to get a big contract, but maybe he's a good, you know, bridge guy that can come in, you know, help be a good locker room guy, be a consistent quarterback play, like not turn the ball over a bunch and just be a good vet in the locker room for a couple years for a team. Like, is this a guy that could be that going forward, David? Yeah, definitely. I think that he's much like Geno Smith, where he struggled throughout his career, but only, I think, because he just needed to be placed in the correct system and with a, a good coaching staff. So I think that Geno Smith being in Seattle – and when he got there, uh, definitely helped out for him. Definitely, definitely helped out for his career. And, but yeah, to answer the question, yeah, I think he can be a very good, solid option. Okay, Dom. Um, I think we need to see a little bit more. Over, I'm not saying like he needs to play at a higher level because I think he's played at a pretty good level. I just need to see it for a longer stretch of time. This is his really first stint as a starter. He's been in the league for, what, six years? Six or seven years at this point, and this is his first time ever being a starter, where at least Gino was a starter coming out of college. He already had some experience and then was a backup for a while and then became a starter again. Um, I think it's too early to say that he could be a Geno Smith-like uh, player, but if he keeps this up, Definitely. I think he's 
Delphi secured himself a future in the NFL, even if he doesn't become a starter down the road for a team that's maybe looking for a bridge quarterback. I think he has secured himself a pretty nice career as a backup. And he, he had already been a, a good backup. He's always been a great locker room guy. He's always been very intelligent. Um, it was just the talent on the field that teams were questionable about. And, you know, he was with the Browns this preseason. And, you know, frankly, he got outplayed by DTR on the field in the preseason. Now, granted, it was a preseason that's completely different, but there's a reason why teams have been able or willing to move on from him, whether that's warranted or not. I think he's kind of proving them wrong. And, you know, I think the the Cardinals are looking at the trade that they made with the Browns, giving up a fifth-round pick for for Josh Dobbs is a, is a great deal, even if he's not their quarterback going forward. Um, I'm assuming that they're going to be moving on from Kyler Murray this year. And if you can get a guy that's going to be your backup for the next four or five years, a guy that can, you know, spot start in case of emergency for a fifth round pick, I think that's a, a great deal for them. And, you know, I'm glad he's finally getting his shot because I think he's a guy that deserved uh, a shot at being a starting quarterback. Yeah. I mean, this is his fourth season. So he spent two years in Pittsburgh, one in Tennessee. Um, I think just the off season with the Browns and then, this year with Arizona. So he was with the Browns all of last year. All of last year. Okay. Maybe you just didn't. Or most of most of last year. Cause I remember him going, he was waived when um uh Deshaun Watson came back and then yeah. went to Tennessee. So he split the season there. So yeah, I mean I, I don't know. I, I think that this is a good opportunity for him, like Dom said, like maybe he doesn't stay in Arizona as a backup. Maybe he goes somewhere else to be a bridge quarterback if he can kind of continue this you know, run that he's on or, or maybe Arizona looks at him and goes like, Hey, we could draft a young quarterback and we don't have to start them right away because we have Josh Dobbs who can play pretty solid football. You know what I mean? And they can give that young quarterback an opportunity to learn and grow within the NFL, which we've seen works a lot better than throwing them out into a bad situation with a team that doesn't have much talent. So I don't know. It'll be very interesting to see if he's able to do this. Obviously we're only five weeks in, so only about a fourth of the season that's done, but we'll have to see if he can continue to do that. I'm very interested and invested in in what he can do the rest of the season. So, all right, moving on. Thoughts on Jonathan Taylor's new deal, guys. Dom? Hesitant because while I think he's a great talent on the field, he struggled to stay healthy. And, you know, he's coming off of surgery. So I, this year, I, I don't expect much from him considering how much time he missed um, all the, all of the offseason, all of the preseason and the first four games of this season is going to take a while for him to get back into football shape. So I don't know. We'll see if he can stay healthy. If he can get back to, was it 2021, 2022, when he led the league in rushing, if he can get back to that at a consistent level, then I think it's a steal uh, for what they have to pay him. But I don't know. I'm just I, I get hesitant every time a, a running back gets paid because I I always fear that it's gonna end up like the Z contract with, with Dallas, where in a couple years, you know, it's clearly not a good deal. He's clearly past his prime and you got a team stuck with an expensive asset that they can't move on from and they just have to just let him walk or you know, cut him early. So I, I fear that that's where it's gonna go. And, you know, with the running back position, that's where a lot of these contracts go anyway. So 
I don't know. It may be good for a couple of years, but I think we'll see that the, the end of the contract is a deal that maybe wasn't so good for the Colts. I will say this, though, on the contract, it's only three years. And I think we had this conversation about running backs before. And I had made the comment, like, why give them like a five, a four or five year extension? Just give them like a three year extension up the money, obviously, like, hey, he's making 42 million over three years. That's right around like what, like 14, 13 million dollars a year or something like that. So, like, I think obviously it's a high amount, but for only three years, like you look at a guy that, like you said, Dom, maybe he only has two more years of, you know, productivity, but that last year, that contract, maybe it's not guaranteed. Maybe they can get out of it. You know what I mean? Or they only have to suffer with him on the, on the team for like one year instead of two or three more years. So I think that's where these running back deals are going to have to go. I think when they get to that second contract, instead of giving them a five-year deal, six-year deal, I think you look at them and you go, we'll give you a two or three-year deal, but the money is going to be where you want it to be because we believe that we could get two, three solid seasons out of you. But then after that, the tread on your tires is going to be worn really thin. Um, David, what's your opinion on this Jonathan Taylor deal? I think that it's great for him. Great that he finally got paid. And I think that it's a risk that any team really takes knowing the kind of position that each individual player plays. So it, I think that they took their own risk knowing a, the player and B the coaching staff and medical staff that they have. So I think that's just them knowing who they are and knowing uh, where this player might be right here, right now. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think it's a good deal all around. They're going to get a guy who, when healthy, is one of the best running backs in the league. He's going to help out a young quarterback, too. I know that Anthony Richardson has had some injury problems, but I think if they can have a guy that they can primarily be the runner and, and Richardson can primarily throw the ball, I think that'll help with that. It'll help with his development. So I think it's a good deal all around. Like I said, I think three years is a, is a good is a good amount of years. I think this idea that you have to give a running back a five or six year contract is is just ridiculous and and I think there's a happy medium that the, that they were able to find. So speaking of injuries though, you have the Minnesota Vikings right now who Justin Jefferson is going to be on the IR and they're one and four. Now, I think that this is a team that's played better than what their record is, but with them being one and four, and Justin Jefferson really kind of looking like he's going to miss some extended time, is this a team that should look at Kirk Cousins as an asset to move in order to bring in more assets going forward? Dom? I don't know. Just because I I think his contract is expiring at the end of this year. So if there's a team that's Unless you're a team that's maybe like the Jets, but Zach Wilson's kind of been playing better, that you know maybe your quarterback got hurt and you need someone to step in and salvage your season. I don't really know that there's a market for Kirk Cousins. Um, I think the bigger market is Justin Jefferson and a team that's one and four. 
you know, does Justin Jefferson want to stay there long term? You know, you could if if you're looking to accumulate assets and start a rebuild, like I think the Vikings have kind of been indicating that that's where things are going with, you know, the players that they got rid of in the offseason. I think Justin Jefferson's the guy that you move because he's going to get you the biggest return. Uh, you can you can probably get multiple first round picks and maybe even a player or two. Uh, for Jefferson at this point, because even though he has a hamstring injury right now, he's probably only going to miss four weeks. And when he comes back, he's the best receiver in football. So uh, any team that's even remotely close to contending is going to be interested in him and willing to trade for him. So I think if you're the Vikings and you're going to start a rebuild, I think that's where you start because you can let her cousins walk in the off season and free all that cap space and, if you trade them at best, you're getting a, a mid-round pick, fourth or fourth, fifth round, probably. And at that point, you might as well just hold on to him and let his contract expire. I disagree with the amount that you'd get back for him, but I do agree that I don't think there's a team out there that makes sense for him to go to because most of your teams have a guy that they want to be their quarterback going forward. You know what I mean? Like the Jets were place where people thought that that might happen but like you said Zach Wilson seems to be playing a lot better than what he was but other than that there's really not a playoff team that you look at that doesn't have a quarterback right now now obviously things can change over the next couple weeks but that's where that tricky situation comes in I think honestly with how good Kirk Cousins is still playing that if a team is desperate enough, you could get like a second round pick out of it. Maybe multiple picks attached to that second round pick. I don't know if you get a first, but I think you could definitely get a second round pick out of Kirk Cousins. And I think that's something that you have to look at, especially being one and four. You know, Justin Jefferson's out for four weeks. Do you just shut Justin Jefferson down for the rest of the season? You know what I mean? Like, I think those are a lot of questions. I don't think they get rid of Justin Jefferson. He's too good to get rid of um, at this point. I think that you really look at him as being a cornerstone of your franchise going forward. But Kirk Cousins is going to want to win. So if you're in a position now where you can lose and be in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes, why not why not put Kirk Cousins on a team where he can win and put yourself in that position? So, well, unfortunately for the Vikings, they didn't make the Caleb Williams list of four teams that he would play for. So, but I think if he saw that he got to play with Justin Jefferson, I think he'd change his mind pretty quick. He didn't make the list. He said he'd only play for what four teams? What were his four the teams? Vikings? Um, his teams were. You, I don't it know. Was what it was Vegas, um, the Cowboys. Hold on, let me bring it up. Anyway, while you're bringing it up, David, what's your thoughts on this? I think that, yeah, you can definitely, one, you can definitely get an easy second round plus from Kirk Cousins because we've on several occasions pointed out that he's no slouch. He may struggle every now and again uh, like any other quarterback, but he's no slouch and he can get things done. Um. Justin Jefferson, yeah, if you're trying to get get a rebuild, I would probably trade both of them if possible if you're going for the full rebuild. Get an absolutely massive ton of picks out of just the two of them, at least the most that you can get. 
if you're going that direction. And if you don't trade Kirk Cousins, you're not going to lose much anyways because he's just going to probably not want to return to Minnesota afterwards, and then he can go wherever he wants. Plus, with Justin Jefferson down, I got a, a win in fantasy football. So there's that. <laughs> Don't antagonize Dom. <laughs> Dom, do you have those four um, teams that he wanted to move to or go to? Yeah, so I was wrong. Uh, the Vikings did make the list. So his list is the Cowboys, Raiders, Vikings, Giants, and 49ers. Um, you know, again, we – The Giants Nick and I, made the list? It's the, because it's New York. The Giants made the list? The, cool. the Giants, one, Saquon Barkley, two, let's face it, all these star athletes care just as much as their brand off-field as they do on yeah. the field. And New York gives him a market to market himself. But see – the the Vikings, and I think it's purely because of Justin Jefferson. I think right now you have to make a decision. Like as a as a Vikings franchise, I think you look at Justin Jefferson and you shut him down for the season. You're like, that injury is just too much. And then you look at Kirk Cousins and you because the only thing with Kirk Cousins about trading him is they gave him a no trade clause. So he has to be okay with where he's gonna go. And that's the only thing that sucks about that is that you have to look at him and be like, where do you want to go play? We'll make it happen. Where do you want to go play? Because with him on the but team, he, he's he's not going to play bad. So, like, he's going to want to win games. So you want to be in that Caleb Williams sweepstakes, you're going to have to lose. But then, like you said earlier, who's going to trade for? You know, the, the only other team that, you know, maybe I could see trading for him is maybe the Titans if they want to move on from Tannehill. But is that – is that really the direction that they want to go? You know, maybe, I don't know, the this, this Saints just gave a big contract to Derek Carr. You know, maybe if the Falcons aren't really set on Desmond Ritter, but they drafted him well. for a reason. He's been playing pretty but well, they, too. He's been playing pretty well. So, like, where do, where do you trade him to? Like, who's going to, one, want to trade for him, and two, who's he going to want to go to? That's what I'm you saying. Know? I just don't, I don't, that's the only problem that I have with no, this. There's no market for him. Yeah. I mean, listen, he's I, he's a good starting quarterback. I think you look at a lot of teams and you can like, he could be better than the starter that they have. But a lot of teams, like, if you look at, like, the Steelers, I think the Steelers are invested in seeing what Kenny Pickett can turn into. The Jets are invested in seeing what Zach Wilson could turn into. Same with, um, like you said, with Desmond Ritter. I think they want to see him, like, um, maybe the Panthers – but I think they want Bryce Young. They just Young drafted to play. Bryce Young. They're not going to. But he's been playing like dog water. So, like, maybe they look at him and they go, like, bro, you need to sit for a little bit. And then they go get Kirk Cousins. But that's really like that team's not that's great. What they, that's what they should have done this year. You can't draft a guy number one overall, have him start for a year, and then pull the plug on him and, and make him sit for a year or two. Like if they were going to have him sit, they should have had him sit this year behind a starting behind a veteran quarterback. I mean, we're only we're only five games in, so to be fair, like he plays. Six I, I games think they trade for Kirk Cousins, like, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I I don't I don't think they would anyway. Because why would you trade for a guy that you can just go sign in free agency? Like, no, I it, I agree. that's that's why I was trying to say I don't think they're going to. I was just saying like that yeah. might be an option for them, but I think they want Bryce Young to play. Like, and then you look at. There's clear-cut teams that aren't going to trade for him, but I, I don't know. I mean, 
yeah, I think he's he's stuck there in Minnesota. And then even in free agency, there's not really many other places he's going to go other than go back to Minnesota. So I, I don't know. It's, I can it's see a, a team like the Cardinals signing him. If if the Cardinals think, hey, like we like Josh Dobbs, but Kirk Cousins might give us a better chance to win, but I don't think they want to win either. You know what I mean? So Yeah, or maybe the, the Giants pull the plug on the good old Danny Dimes. And I thought about that too, and I'm just like, because I don't think if they were to be like, hey, we'll give you a third for Kirk Cousins, like, yeah, that sucks, but to save their season, you know what I mean? Because I don't think that team is all that bad. I just think their season's not going anywhere. They're they're one and four. Their season's not going anywhere. I, I would sign him in the offseason and then I don't know, try to find any way you possibly can to get out from Daniel Jones. Yeah, you just owe so much money to that man. Like that's honestly that's on them. But giving him forty something million dollars a year, I will stick by this. That is the worst contract in NFL history, I think, because he is the farthest thing from a forty-five million dollar a year quarterback. Like I, I just I don't understand it. I never did, and it's the weirdest thing. I, I I don't know. Anyway, last topic, real quick, guys. Here in quarter three, Anthony Richardson, when he's healthy and he's on the field, he's playing really well. Um, obviously, he has his rookie moments. We're not going to overlook those. But when you look at his health, he has left four out of the first five games now with an injury. You know, is is this like concerning? Should we be worried about it? Is this, you know, trajectory of of unhealthiness? Is is this concerning, guys? David? I think yes, but to an extent. How much of it is him and how much of it is him as a result of his offensive line? So that's that's the main question that I have. Is their offense how bad is their offensive line? I don't think it's as bad as as some teams in the league. I do think that they're struggling a little bit, but I do think it has a lot to do with him. You know, I think he has a skinnier frame, but or not. No, he's built like Cam Newton. Is he really? He's 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 not he's not a twig. No, I'm not saying he's a twig, but I'm just saying that he's not. I just don't. I don't know if he's like. I don't know. I just. I just don't know if he's been hit like this before. Like, he is getting hit a lot, but that's also because I yeah. think they're using him a lot in the run game. Um, because they Anthony Richardson six four two forty five. That is pretty big, yeah. Maybe he just looks skinnier on TV. I don't. Which is no. I, I think. I but think yeah. the biggest problem. What was that? I I still think it. I think it could be line, offensive line. Maybe it's the fact that it's his first year. Maybe it's just coaching. Who knows? But I think it's a two-part factor of both him as well as the rest of the team. Yeah. Dumb. Um, I'm not – yes, I'm concerned with um, how often he's, he's had to go out of games with injury. But I think it's something that's fixable, and I think it's fixable with the coaching. If we teach, you know, our quarterbacks that, you know, are as mobile as Richardson is to avoid hits, slide when you when you scramble, run out of bounds, don't don't run towards contact and don't take unnecessary hits because 
a lot of the the games that he's had to leave, he's had to leave after plays where he scrambled and has taken unnecessary hits because he did slide and he didn't run out of bounds. You know, you look at someone like Lamar Jackson, who is probably the best running quarterback in the league at this point, and he doesn't get injured as much as some of these other running quarterbacks because he doesn't take those unnecessary hits. He slides when he needs to. He runs out of bounds when he can you know, he's able to be an effective runner and not try to run over people and be smart about it. Anthony Richardson can prolong his career here by being smarter with how he scrambles. I'm not saying he has to take out that part of the game because that's part of what makes him him. And I think that's that's going to be a part of his game that can really make him elite because he has that potential. If he's just smarter going forward, with getting out of bounds and sliding. I think the offensive line is fine. They're not the best, but they're not the worst. You know, I has he taken some sacks that could have been avoided with better offensive line play? Sure. But I, I he's taking a lot of unnecessary hits, and I think that's something partially that, that's fixable. Um, you know, the offensive line obviously could be better, but, you know, with being smarter about his scrambling and maybe not holding on to the ball as much, that can really cut down on a lot of hits that he's taking. Yeah, I agree. I think that's where he's at. He's just taking too many hits that he doesn't need to, and I don't know. I don't know. I, don't know. I just don't want to see him, you know, have like a a career where it's riddled with injuries. I know, I know if he's definitely the body type similar to Cam Newton, like Cam Newton – took a lot of unnecessary hits in his career because he just was trying to bowl over people. So that kind of did not work out well for him, especially towards the end. So No, he was out of the league by 30. Yeah. You know, really when a lot of quarterbacks are in the middle of their prime, Cam Newton was a shell of his former self and out of the league, and he can't get a job now. So yeah, you know, I, I don't want that for Anthony Richardson at all. No, not at all. All right, guys, quarter four. We'll quickly go through our projections here. We'll hit some college first. Oregon versus Washington real quick, guys. David? That's a tough one, but I'm going to go Oregon. Okay. Dom? I agree. Um, while I'm impressed with Washington, I think Oregon's the more, the more complete team. Okay. I agree. I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. We're going to have lots of fun watching it, um, but I do think – Oregon squeaks it out in the end. All right, Dom's favorite team in Notre Dame versus USC. Dom? I already said it earlier. Uh, USC takes this one. Uh, I, I, I'm not impressed with Sam Hartman, and I don't think Notre Dame has the defense to stop USC. Mm-hmm. I'd say USC as well. Unless the USC's defense absolutely falls flat on its face, I would say USC. I, I agree. I think USC wins this game, but I think USC's defense makes Sam Hartman look good because <laughs> I just think that they're that bad. I I have no faith in their defense being able to stop anybody. So I think Sam Hartman comes out and has like a really good game, but I think USC is able to win because Caleb Williams is is that dude. So um, another pretty good top 25 matchup is UCLA and Oregon State. David? That's a tough one. UCLA? Yeah, I think it'd go either way. I think UCLA probably should win the game, but Oregon has a has a pretty good solid squad and, and they, they might they might come out with the win. Dom, you're muted. Yeah. 
Uh, I don't know. I, I think this is a game that can really go either way. I think both teams are very good. And I don't know. I I, I want to say I'm more impressed with how Oregon State's played so far this year, but I don't know. UCLA is also a good team. But if I am forced to make a pick, I'm going to go with Oregon State. Okay. Yeah, I think it can go either way. So, I mean, it's it's one of those games where you're like, I don't think either of these teams are going to compete for a national championship this year, but they are two good, solid teams that have played pretty well so far. So I think it should be a pretty fun game to watch. That's why I put it on there. I know, you know, the, out of the three of us, we're not too big into watching Oregon State or UCLA, but this might be a time that we watch these two teams play just because I think this will be a good game and it'll be a good matchup between two good, solid schools. So, all right, in the NFL, it'll be an electric, fun game. Chiefs-Broncos, Thursday night. What a great matchup. Shut up. David, what's your opinion on the game? (laughs) Well, it's going to be electric in the fact that Chiefs are going to light up the scoreboard to know tomorrow. So, Chiefs all the way. Chiefs, all right, David's Chiefs all the way, Dom. The Broncos defense is so bad that three of us can be on the Chiefs offense and still put up a, a decent amount of points. All right. <laughs> don't disrespect NFL players like that. We'll get murdered. Am I? I obviously, I, that, that was a little tongue in cheek there, but yeah. yeah, this is one of the worst offenses or one of the worst defenses that we've seen in a long time, if not ever. Um, and Patrick Mahomes is going to feast. It, it doesn't matter that. They don't have a clear number one receiver. It doesn't matter that Travis Kelsey might miss the game. Somebody on that on that offense is going to have 100-plus yards receiving. Someone's going to have multiple touchdowns. And Isaiah Pacheco is probably going to be running all over them. It's not even going to be close. And the Broncos really need to rethink really everything in that organization at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. This is one of those where, like, the Broncos – Unfortunately, a lot of people are like questioning their trade for Russ, Russell Wilson. And um, I I just don't think it's him. I think he's had a good season. I think he's played well. Like, I don't think he's the problem. And, and I feel bad that a lot of it's getting put on him and a lot of people are making it out to be like, it's, it's his fault. But I, I, like I said, I just, I don't think it's him. I think he's had a good season and I think Russell Wilson will have a good game because the chiefs defense isn't really amazing but yeah i think the chiefs offense is going to come out and just boat race this defense and i mean we saw what justin fields was able to do to their defense and he kind of struggled before that so that was kind of his get right game and (laughs) he's not really looked back so i i don't know it'll be a very uh interesting thursday night game i feel like sometimes these primetime games we get are just not as good as you'd want them to be so but moving into sunday I think that there is one game that's going to be fun to watch, and that's going to be Saints-Texans. I think that's going to be a really good game. I think C.J. Stroud has really had a great season. Obviously, that team struggled against um, the Falcons last week, but the Saints are a really good, solid squad as well, too, and I think this will be a fun game to watch between you know, Derek Carr and C.J. Stroud and the Saints team offensively is is fun to watch they have a lot of weapons and this Texans team is outperforming what we thought they were going to so Dom what's your opinion on this game I think this game's going to be close I I think 
it could really go either way. I know, I know CJ Stroud's been playing very impressive football at this point, but I, I think the Saints overall have a little bit of a better team. I think the Texans' time is down the road. I'm imp- I'm very impressed with how they've been playing this year, and I think that you know they finally got it right with the coaching. They have their quarterback in the future, but um, I think the Saints edged this one out. Um, I just think that they have a little bit more weapons on offense. Yeah, I agree. I think the Saints win this one, but it's not by a big margin. David? Yeah, I think it's going to be tight. And know what? I'll go on a limb. I'll say Texans on this one. I like it. I And I was I was close to picking them, too. I just think that talent-wise, CJ can't do everything by himself, and I just think the Saints oh, have agreed. more talent. But... You know, it's it's any given Sunday. You never know. I mean, if Tank Dell plays, then I think they have a chance. If he doesn't, and you know they're only down to a really one main target at wide receiver, then it's going to be very difficult. Yeah, it'll be a fun game to watch, though. Um, one game that could be fun to watch, but also could not be fun to watch of the 49ers boat race, the Browns, is 49ers versus Browns here. Um, you guys are resident Browns fans. I think Deshaun Watson's still up in the air. What's your guys' thoughts on this game, David? If Deshaun Watson's out again, I'd hand it to San Francisco. If he's back in, I think it'd be close, but I'd still give it to San Francisco. Only because I believe in the Browns' defense to be that good that they could actually hold their ground, and it would just come down to Deshaun Watson making his throws. Yeah, I agree. I think this Browns defense is going to be the first true test for this 49ers offense. I think you're looking at a top five defense in the league, maybe even arguably could be the best defense in the league in the Browns defense. So I think it'll be a real test for this 49ers offense to see, you know, if they're really for real. Um, obviously if Deshaun Watson doesn't play, that's going to be tough. That's really going to be tough, but I agree with David. Regardless, I think the 49ers come out of this game with a win. Dom? Oh, I agree. If DTR is starting, this game's not even going to be close. Um, I fear that it's going to be a situation like the Ravens where they turn the ball over a lot and this defense is on the field too much and they give up a lot of points because they get tired. Um, it, I feel like this organization's not really – putting DTR in a situation where he can be remotely successful. But if Deshaun Watson's able to play, I think it's going to be close, but I'd still give the edge of the 49ers because, you know, until proven otherwise, it's kind of hard to to pick against them. But I think that this will be the, if Deshaun Watson's able to play, it'll be the biggest test so far um, that the 49ers would have to face. All right. And last but not least, Monday night, Cowboys versus Chargers. Cowboys looking for a bounce back game. And the Chargers consistently every year a team on paper that looks like it could win a Super Bowl, but just always disappoints. <laughs> um, what's your guys' thoughts on this game, Tom? Um, I mean, we got the Cowboys of the NFC versus the Cowboys of the AFC, two teams that always Dang. disappoint and always have a lot of hype to them. But I have no faith in um Dak Prescott, no faith in in McCarthy. I think this defense, while they played really well the first couple of weeks of the season, um, there's definitely some flaws on this defense, especially now that there's some injuries. 
I think Justin Herbert is a top three quarterback in football at this point. Top, top, definitely top five. I think you can argue top three. Um, he, at least he's playing as a top three quarterback right now. Um, yeah, I, I have a lot of faith in in Justin Herbert, and I think he's going to have a good day. I, I, the game could be pretty high scoring, but I think the Chargers edge it out. I'd have to agree. I think that it it really comes down to the only way that LA really gives this up is if their coaching absolutely blows it itself. Which they do pretty consistently. But oh. it comes down to more coaching than the actual talent on the field, which I think is better on the LA side. So I'm giving it to the Chargers. I agree. Chargers win. Chargers win this one. I'm still stuck on this top three. Who who does he replace out of the the norm? Like who's not in the top? I mean, obviously three? Patrick Mahomes is number one, and then I don't know if you can put Josh Allen Tua up there. J- Jalen Hurts is up there too, but I I don't know Bur- Burrow. I, Burrow's clearly better than Herbert. Like I think Burrow's the second best quarterback in the league. Like. I think it's. I mean, yeah, now now that he's starting to get back on track, sure. But so are we, far, are we this just season... talking about what this season's look like, or just yeah, in general? Because you, I, just... I said he's playing like a top three quarterback. You just you just said the third best quarterback in the league, and I just assumed that meant like just in general. I was like, that what? <laughs> so far this se- so far this season, he's played like a top three quarterback. I don't know. I I do. And... I can I can get behind top five, but like replacing Mahomes, Allen, or Burrow, like I think Burrow's number two. I I think he might be able to surpass Allen just because of how much he turns the ball. He doesn't over, turn the but... ball over as much as Allen does. Yeah. I, I could and I, I think could... the arm talent, maybe, you know, Allen can throw the ball five yards farther down the field than, than yeah. Herbert does, but the arm could... talent's still there. I could get behind Allen, but I, I don't know. Just Burrow and Mahomes, I I don't think that's where he's at yet. Well like I said I, I said for sure, Mahomes is number one, and if Burrow can can if Burrow can get back to how he's played so far throughout his career, yeah, he's number two. But this was the first week that he's really looked good. So so far this season, Justin Herbert's looked like a top three quarterback. Yeah, fun stuff. Um, all right, overtime drive, couple fun games here, guys. I got uh some did you know and uh. I don't think we've played who said that yet, but I do have a couple fun quotes. Um, first, but did you guys know that basically seven or eight out of the top 10 speeds recorded in the NFL this season so far are held by Dolphins players? I didn't know that, but I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, it's basically Tyree Kill at one. Uh, Devon Arcane at two and three, Hill at four, Raheem Mostert at five, Hill at six, and Arcane at seven. So <laughs> definitely a team that has some immense speed. Um, the second fact here that what I thought was very interesting and maybe telling for a Patriots franchise that may be looking for a quarterback change 
And that might be a spot for Kirk Cousins. I completely forgot about the Patriots. But Mac Jones threw his fourth career pick six. And that ties Tom Brady for his career. So at Tom Brady's career in Gillette Stadium, he had four pick sixes. Mac Jones already has four in his short career. So I don't know. I don't know if Mac Jones uh, has it in him to uh, play like his daddy. Next, I don't know if you guys saw, but uh, Tyreek Hill's been fined two weeks in a row for wearing no socks. (laughs) I just thought, uh, what a joke. (laughs) Not like a crazy fact, but I just think it's pretty stupid that you could. And I think the first one was like seven grand. So I can only imagine the second one was probably more than that. But I just think that that's probably one of the dumbest things. Not wearing any socks, you get fined. So and it's called the no fun league for a reason. Yep. <laughs> um, all right. Here is uh who said that? We definitely weren't looking for receiver help. Who said that? No idea. No idea. Uh Mike McDaniel on the Chase Claypool acquisition. <laughs> when he was asked about uh, if he was excited about having him, he said, uh, we definitely weren't looking for wide receiver help. <laughs> so uh Mr. Claypool has already uh, had a warm welcome there in Miami. I don't know if uh, Mike McDaniel was trolling or joking, but definitely. Uh, Claypool's going to be out of the league in a couple of years because of his attitude sucks. A couple of years, I think after this year, if he doesn't do anything in Miami, he'll be he'll be gone. All right, and then the fun. Who said it this week? If you're hunting us, you won't have to look far. We're going to be on your front porch. That sounds like a Dan Campbell quote. It is Mr. Dan Campbell himself. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Bite My Kneecap. I was like, what the heck? That's the most Dan Campbell thing I've ever said. That man does. You protect that man at all costs. Like He, he does. Just fantastic. He cannot run out of inspirational quotes or speeches <laughs> or like just him being like, we're going to be on your front porch is just, I don't know. That's him and uh, Jamal Williams in the same locker room was such a gift to the NFL last year. I know. I really hate that they don't have him there anymore, but yeah, that's crazy. Hey, he still gives us memorable quotes, but just down in New Orleans. Yeah, it's just not the same. (laughs) I love I love the intensity of Dan Campbell being like, we're going to bite people's kneecaps off. And then Jamal Williams being like, "Uh, I like anime. (laughs) Yeah, he's, he's like, hey, y'all want to go play some Pokemon? Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of Two Minute Drill. I know we have so much to talk about in these episodes, but, you know, college football, professional football, there's a lot that goes on in a week. So um, we jam it all into one episode for you guys. But, again, thank you for listening. I am Nick. I was joined by Dom and David. And this was another episode of Two Minute Trail presented by Deep Dive Sports, and we'll catch you on the next one. Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Two Minute Drill. And make sure to follow the show on Instagram at Two Minute Drill Podcast, D-D-S. Don't forget to follow deep.dive.sports on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can listen to all of our shows wherever you get your podcasts. Also, comment on all our posts and episodes. We would love to hear what you think about the show and what we talk about each week. And as always, two-minute drill listeners, until next time.